Welcome to church. My name is Pastor Russ. I'm excited that you're here today. We've been in a series called Rise of the King. No, we don't love chess. We just tried to decorate the stage a little bit like it, and I got a chess set for someone that wants it in a few weeks when we're done with the series. So um, if you're really into that, you know, maybe you're watching Netflix and saw a show about a girl that played chess, and you're like, I could beat her. Well, it all begins here with plastic chess pieces. Um, We're excited that you're here. We're taking a bit of a divergent trail from our Rise of the King series that we're in, though. Next week, we'll pick right back up with the Christmas story uh, in Matthew and Luke, looking at Zechariah and the temple. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we hope you'll join us for that. But we wanted to, at the end of the year, as I'm getting in the door and our elders have spent some time praying together and our staff spent some time thinking and praying and looking into next year, we wanted to share with you a vision of where we feel like God is leading us to go. Now, these are common vernacular words that we've heard a lot in culture. Every organization has a mission or a vision for what they're trying to do. And some of them mean the same thing, but they use the same word. So they say vision, but they mean mission at another organization. And some say mission, but they mean vision at the other place that you were at. And many of us have heard these statements like, this is what we're here to do or what we're trying to do, but we've experienced a lack of follow-up and follow-through. And I want to encourage you that we may fail next year, but we will fail trying to do exactly what I'm about to communicate to you that we feel like God is leading us to do. I'm not telling you we're going to be perfect, we're going to bat a thousand, that God will interrupt us and redirect us in a different direction at some point, because we are always interruptible for the people of God, right? Uh, He can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants, wherever He wants, and it's our job to be empathetic and sensitive to the Spirit and the leading of God every day to not set an agenda that basically grieves the spirit and walks in our own way. And so uh, over the next few minutes, I just want to walk you through the mission and vision of Four Points Church. Now, we mean something completely different with those two words. Mission means one thing. Vision means another here at Four Points. Mission for us is the purpose that's unchanging for why we exist as a gathering of people. At Four Points Church, this church exists to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we have put our methods around. Now, let me be very clear. We do not compete with other local churches. Uh, We're not here to bang our chest whenever we have a few extra people that show up to church or uh, do a bigger outreach than maybe the church down the road. Instead, we understand that we're fighting on the same team. And if you don't get the enemy right, you'll fight against yourselves, and we don't have any time for a civil war in light of eternity. Are you tracking with me? So we exist to complement, not compete with the local church. Most of you drove past two, three, four, five, ten churches to come to this one. My simple question to you as the pastor of this church is why? Why is this the place where you have chosen, maybe it's like your first time and you're like, you're barefoot and that dude was dancing and, you know, uh, uh, Shannon and the Sparklets weren't necessarily my style. Like, that may be where you're at, okay, already. And, and, And that's great. But a question, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you should be asking is why this church and why now? At any church, why here? And if all you have is preferential things like ministries that I want or, you know, this is the kind of people that I would choose to hang out with on my own volition. If all we get to are those kinds of things, and I would submit to you that you're not asking hard enough questions about the church you go to. I believe that if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't choose a church, you're called to a church. And God gives us an opportunity for a period of time to pour our life out generously with a community of believers called a local church to be a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ so that eternity and eternal things could make impact in and through our lives and our community. 
So we don't have time to play the game of preference church whenever we have been called to get our boots on, get shoulder to shoulder and shield to shield with some believers, maybe not this group of believers, but some believers somewhere to serve Jesus and to give a collective witness and symphony sound of the glory of God through our local church as we seek to join in with the larger symphony of churches all over the upstate and around the world who are giving faithful witness to the glory of God. So there's a lot of great churches, a lot of great pastors in this community. Let me be very clear to you. You are church rich in this community. There are lots of great churches. But at the end of the day, if all you're looking for is a good preacher and a good worship team, you can find that in a lot of them around here. And I would submit to you that there's more that God intends for you in your church engagement than plopping, praying, and paying. You have been gifted and filled with the Holy Spirit so that you could be encouraged, equipped, and reminded within a local context that what you are doing with your life matters in light of eternity so that your job will have eternity connected to it in the way that you work it, in the way that you live in it, so that your marriage will have eternity attached to it in the way that you view it, in the way that you steward it, in the way that you raise it up, so that your parenting will have eternity attached to it in the way that you parent, in the way that you steward. And we've been talking a lot about this over the last several weeks, finding your fight, finding your purpose. And if we're not careful, we could give you an individualistic view of your, of your fate to such an extent that you can become so me-focused that you forget that God often calls us individually, but he connects us to a we. He connects us to a people. He gifts us so that when we use our gift, others use their gifts, we become a body that begins to serve our community in a way that we could not do it. We become a movement that is larger than just a few people erratically being She-Ra, warrior princess Christians, or He-Man, warrior uh, Christian dudes, running around getting things done for God while everybody else just checks the box of church and sits here. God wants more for you. And as your pastor, or should you call me your pastor and give me the privilege of doing that one day, I want you to connect God's kingdom to your life and to live a life that will matter in light of eternity. So let me be very clear. We have camaraderie with a lot of churches in this community because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the unchanging message and purpose for which every church is founded on that is a faithful church of him. Are you tracking with me? Now, where we argue and make denominations and divide and, and figure out you know, things to do in coffee houses to act on Christian over is in this thing called methods. Methods is how we deploy the message. It's how we deliver it to people. And different churches have different methods in how they do that. And that's okay. It's a good thing. Not everybody does it the same way. Not every preacher preaches the same way. Not every worship team worships the same way that uh, you would prefer to have worship done. So different churches use different methods to reach different people, all under the sovereign hand of God, delivering the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the community so that at the work of Christ, by the Spirit, the lost would be found, the hopeless would have hope, the broken would be made whole, the broken families would be restored, that we would see the kingdom of God laid to bear in a real practical way in our life and in time here in this place called church. Are you tracking with me? So at four points, when we talk about our mission being to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely, it means that we prioritize our methods to reach the not yet reached. That, that's what we do at four points. Not every church does that. But our methods are not to entertain the found. They are to reach the unreached, which means if you're not on mission with going and finding people who are far from God and being the annoying neighbor that prays them into the kingdom of God until Jesus draws them into it, you're probably not going to fit in here. 
Because we are about reaching the unreached with the gospel in our message. Some people, in every church you'll find four things. Let me just throw this out there. Uh, Four things that are in every church. This is straight out of Jesus' teaching. You'll find sheep, goats, wolves, and shepherds. You've heard me talk about this before. Sheep, goats, wolves, and shepherds. And you have two kinds of churches. And I'm not demonizing one over the other, okay? Two kinds of churches. Holding holding pens or moving flocks. Every church is a holding pen or moving flock. And in various seasons, we kind of teeter between both, okay? So it's not like you're all this or all that. But a holding pen, they love Jesus and they love each other well, but if you're new, you don't fit in and it's not very welcoming. We're waiting on the rapture, and if you like it, come with us, but if you don't, we're not going to accommodate or be accommodating or extremely hospitable towards you, whether it's intentional or unintentional. And you've all experienced churches that are holding pens. In John 10, Jesus says, The sheep know me by name, they enter through the gate, but they, hearing my voice, follow me back out the gate. We want to be, as best we can and as healthy as we can as a family, a moving flock. We want to be a movement that's going to the least, the lost, and the lonely. And that means that we, we do things that are a little bit unorthodox. We do pictures with Santa. Why? Because Santa's in the Bible? No. Because your lost friends and family members that don't come to church, won't come to church, would rather sit in the parking lot and like have teeth removed than come in the door will come and get a free picture with Santa and hot chocolate, which gets them in the door of the church. It's a trap. <laughs> That's why we do it. Is it because Pastor Russ needs a photo op and he can't afford to go to the mall and get a picture with Santa? No, it's, it's, it's not. It's because it's a different way to get a gospel conversation started with someone who's not open to gospel conversations yet. And that's what we do at Four Points Church. Not every church does that. So we have a mission. It's unchanging. But... In the path of being obedient to the mission that God has called us to be about, reaching the least, the lost, and lonely with the gospel of Jesus Christ, there are unique, time-sensitive opportunities that as we mature and grow as a church will be presented in front of us. Needs in our community. Opportunities for us to grow and become a better home for the, lost, for the least, the lost, and the lonely to find community whenever they come into our church. And it's our job as elders and leaders to pray and to fast and to figure out where is God leading us and what are the opportunities in front of us today. And that is vision. It's the pin drop on the bigger journey to what we've been called to do. It's the sub-destination to the ultimate destination of what we're doing. Are you making, am I making sense? So we have a mission. That's the unchanging purpose. That's what we're going to do. Should Jesus tarry another hundred years? By God's grace, we pray that there will be a church called Four Points in this community reaching the least the lost and the lonely with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But in that observed path of faithfulness, they may be doing some things that they weren't doing 10 years ago, and that's okay. They may be doing some things that the barefoot preacher wasn't doing, and we better move on and move forward, and that's okay. Because a lot of churches die, not because God's done with his work in the community, but because they idolize the pastor to such an extent that they can't change the methods that should change, and they get them mixed up with the unchanging message of the gospel, which can't change, and as a result of it, they fight, bicker, and have a civil war and die. We don't want to do that. So let me, let me be very clear. We love change. Not change for the fun of it, but we love change as the Spirit leads and want to be open-handed in our life and in our methods to whatever God would have us do as a community. And one of my favorite texts around this is Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. In the New King James Version, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish or go, run unrestrained, is what the NASB says. But in the NLT, I love the way it says it. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 It says this, it says, when people do not accept divine guidance, 
They run wild. That's how you get our government. I'm just kidding. It's, a, it's a, just a joke. It's just a joke, but seriously. Um, <clears throat> they run wild. But whoever, here, here's what it says, whoever obeys the law is joyful. All right, so here, here's what you think growing up. And some of you are parents, so you, you don't think this for your kids now, but you still think it for yourself. You can't be free, and you can't make the biggest impact with restrictions and rules and regulations. And, and we don't like regulations and restrictions. It makes us nervous, like, you know, being at a family reunion at an Applebee's, and so you start yelling about rats and Cobb salads and stuff because you just got to get out of there because you just don't like the constraints. Some of y'all didn't catch that reference. Maybe you will later. Uh, but, but we just don't, we don't like rules, right? Like, how many of you have a kid in your house? Because it's easier to talk about other people than you. This is gossip in church. How many of you have a kid in your house? They just don't like rules. Like, they don't like, you're, you're, you're restricting my joy. You're ruining my life. I can't, okay. And how many of you thought that? You don't have to raise your hand for this one. How many of you thought that, that all these rules, all these regulations were restricting you? Well, the, that's the opposite of what the text teaches. The text teaches that the law of God actually ensures that we make the highest impact possible with our lives. And when you don't have a clear vision and understanding of who God is and who you are in light of that, that you run wild. Therefore, your impact is erratic. Your, re your resources are spread too thin. And you're not able to make an impact that God has called you to do. And for a lot of us, we are a part of churches and live lives that are erratic and wild. They're all over the place. They start a lot, but they finish nothing. And a lot of it comes from the fact of not knowing who God is and in light of that, who we are. We were not created to be in authority. We were created to be under authority. So though we live in a country that is independent, praise God, we are a people who live dependent on God. Preaching way better than y'all responding right now. So we live under the authority of God because it's only under his authority that we can discover what true freedom is. It's only under his authority and under his leadership and his guidance by the Spirit of God, that we can make the impact that God has called us to make. Am I making sense to anybody? If you want to live a life of impact, it will not happen accidentally. It will come with great intentionality. And you've got to be intentional if you want to do that, understanding that we are the people of God, living under the authority of God, filled with the Spirit of God, so that we can make a difference by the leadership of God in real time. So we want to have a clear vision. What are we trying to do? What's the scorecard beyond maybe some more people will show up at four points and stay more than two weeks, right? Because that, that's great, but we should strive for bigger impact than some new people showing up. We, sh we should have a plan for when they show up for what the ultimate end game is of success if we are walking in the path of obedience by the leadership of God to make disciples of all nations as the Bible has called us to do. So, we have a mission, it's to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. We have a vision, and that's what I'll roll out for you, that's uh, about direction, where we're going with our methods over the next year, and that is to create space for people to connect with Jesus and each other. This is how we're going to measure success at Four Points Church in the next year, creating dynamic space for people to connect with Jesus and each other. What if I were to tell you that there was a community that was so spirit-filled so in love with Jesus that every day people were being added to their number? Uh, what if I were to tell you that that, that community was uh, so uh, hungry for the presence of God that they wouldn't pray and hope something happens, but they prayed until something happened? They wouldn't pray and hope prison doors opened, but they prayed until the doors opened and the people were standing at their gate waiting to get back in. What, what if I were to tell you that there was a community where you didn't have to come up and talk to them about being generous you actually had to tell them to stop because you had enough. 
That is what I believe normal Christian community is like. Now let me tell you what Satan hates. Two things. Your redeemed identity and your calling to be a part of a local body. So if there's two battles you fight more than anything else, it's this constant battle of not actually believing that you're forgiven, received, accepted, made new, a saint in Christ Jesus, and the constant battle of thinking that church will always be broken, dysfunctional, painful, and not worth the effort. Because if you ever realize who you are in Christ and the fact that you've been called to be a part of a local body for the glory of God and you link up shoulder to shoulder and shield to shield with people in that local body, the impact puts Satan on defense because he, all he is as a result of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a toothless bulldog with a lot of bark and no bite. <laughs> Sorry. may not be your pastor, but I'm, I'm having fun. And so, so we've been called to be a community. One of the things I've discovered here at Four Points is we struggle with getting to a space where you can be known and cared for in a way that helps you in the long run to grow exponentially in your relationship with Jesus. Most of you think you need big changes so that you can become more holy. I would submit to you big changes is the problem. You keep trying to change everything and nothing changes. When if you would do consistently a few new things, everything would change. Small habits have a way of making lasting, significant impact. Some of you do not need to start with, I'm going to lose 20 pounds and go to the gym seven days a week. You need to start, just in a non-spiritual way, preach, praise God, I'm going to eat more pumpkin pie today. Um, You need to start with practicing showing up to the gym for five minutes. And if you would show up for five minutes four times a week and make it a habit, then it would get a lot easier to go four times for 30 minutes. You're starting too big. Sometimes you've got to start small. And what I want us to do over the next year is focus on small things that in our mind may not make a big change, but I believe will transform the very nature and culture of our church. So we're talking about creating space for people to connect with Jesus and each other. Several weeks ago, I talked about needing to find your few. It was a message that's online. I think the message is actually called Find Your Few on our YouTube channel. If you've not liked and subscribed, please go like Anyway, um, But, but my, my point in that message was Jesus modeled, hello, uh, Jesus modeled, <laughs> Jesus modeled community for us. And Jesus often was in the groom with crowds. In fact, there were sometimes the crowds were so big that he had to get into a boat to preach. There were sometimes the crowds were so big that they pressed down on him. And you and I need to worship Jesus in crowds. There's going to be a need for us at sometimes to get a big view of what God is doing in a large crowd. How many of you have ever been to a conference, like a Christian conference or a concert, where there were lots of people that went to a lot of different churches, a lot of them that you were like, yeah, I'm glad you go there because I wouldn't go there, but praise God. Like, like you've been at one of those settings, right? A big crowd of people that were there because maybe they were disinterested or slightly interested in Jesus. Maybe they went to a different church. Look, four of you participated. Praise God. Appreciate you encouraging your pastor. So, so there's a need for us to be in the crowd, to be inspired and reminded of the magnitude and the power of what God's doing. This is so much bigger than us. But within the crowd, Jesus also had an assembly, around 120 people that walked around with Jesus everywhere that he went. Are you tracking with me? These were women and men who faithfully followed Jesus. Whenever you read the story uh, of the road to Emmaus uh, in the Gospels, uh, that story is likely about a husband and a wife that followed Jesus in that assembly and were with him for a long period of time, walking from town to town and witnessing the work that he had 
done. And so there's an assembly that you need to be a part of, a local body, a local church where you get to engage and share life and you pour your life generously into them and they pour their life generously into you. But it's hard to be really known-known in the assembly. You can be church-known in the assembly, but you can't be known-known in the assembly. Church-known means, how you doing? We're doing great. Bless God. Praise God. See you later. Uh, I'll pray for you. And they may. I don't want to make it disingenuine, right? But it's not below the surface because if you look at people in the assembly and they're like, how are you doing? You're like, we're terrible. My marriage is falling apart. Uh, kids, I said words I shouldn't have said to them in the car. I think I need to rededicate my life and get saved. Like, like, it's, like it's not going well. And, and they look at you like, bless your heart. It, like, like it's just not, it, the, the, the level of intimacy and community isn't present there. It's not necessarily appropriate there, per se. So within the assembly, you need a group. And Jesus had a group. Out of the 120, he called 12. Are you tracking with me? And they spent the majority of their time with Jesus from town to town, village to village, seeing him do things and seeing things about him that most didn't see. So if you want to be healthy relationally, you probably need to see God and worship God in the crowd. You probably need to see God and worship God within an assembly. You need to see God and worship God within a group because within that group you'll likely discover what Jesus had, and that's a few. Within the 12, he withdrew with three. Peter, James, and John. It was Bible trivia. Okay, I'm really encouraged. Um, Peter, James, and John, and, and he withdrew with the three. It's the three that go with him when he's praying in the garden and perspiring blood, and he begins to wear the emotion and the weight of what he's about to go through, and they're the ones that were privileged enough to see him. You see, your few are the people that you push, you push everybody else away, but it's the few that pull in. They don't ask if they can show up. They just show up and then apologize later if you weren't ready for them. You don't clean your house up for the few. You'll clean your house up for a group. You don't sit in your PJs with the few. Or you don't sit in your PJ with the group, but you'll sit in your pajamas with the few. It, it ain't about putting on makeup with a few. It ain't about looking pretty. It's not about doctoring it up. It's not about looking a certain way. It, it's about being honest and authentic in you. And there is a need inside of every single one of us to have a few people that we can go, those are mine. That's who I do that with. Now, we, we cannot give you what I just described. I can't, I can't make you have a few people. Now, I can, I can introduce you to really cool people that I like, that I think you would like too, but it's basically like setting you up on a blind date. And at the end of the day, I can make you love them if you want. I can make your heart feel something it won't. Anyway, uh, I, I, I can't make you love them. I, some of you look around this room and you're like, not my people. Okay, still the people of God. Maybe not your weird, but they're the people of God. Some of you look around this room and you're like, maybe, possibly could be my people. The space where we discover that is in this space called groups. And this is where we're putting all of our methods and attention in the next year. All of our attention is how do we strengthen the space where we have this group size where you can get below the surface and maybe find your few. And there's three ways that we're doing it. Teams, groups, and classes. Teams, groups, and classes. Over the next year, you're going to hear us frequently talk about teams, groups, and classes. Why? Because it's in that space where you find the right capacity to be known uh, below the surface, to be prayed for, cared for, to find your uh, burdens divided, your joys multiplied with that group of people. Now, every church has service opportunities and service teams, and 20% of the people in the church serve in the church doing 80% of the work. So it's not anything new for you to hear, we got service teams for you. What's different is what we're doing to work on the experience once you serve within that team. 
So over the next year, we have core meetings that are going to be going on every other month, teaching core competencies to having sticky, healthy teams. We're going to be talking to our team leaders and training them and trying to teach you as team members on how to create a team that encourages and cares and builds each other up, how to serve and actually have fun and enjoy it together. Because believe it or not, we can laugh in church because the battle's already won and we aren't fighting something that's in jeopardy. So we get to actually enjoy the victory of Christ even when we're still on the fight on this side of eternity. And so we want to have teams that you we don't actually have to fight you to get on. Like, please, serve Help us, because the three little women and kids have served 776 Sundays in a row, and they're going to die soon. And we've got, like, like we want to get to a point where you actually are like, yeah, that's actually fun. I'll do that every other week. I want to be a part of that, because it's in that space where you'll potentially find some of your few. People that when the church tells you you don't have to hang out, you actually pick up the phone and they're like, hey, you want to actually hang out? Without the church telling you. So we have teams that we're working on strengthening through a lot of training and work over the next year. But then we also have this thing called groups. And groups are uh, this space where you get in, you sign a blood covenant, and you can never leave, and you don't take vacations anymore. And even if you don't like the people in it, you tolerate them because you signed up. Because we've all had that experience, right? You signed up for a group, and you thought they were your weird, and you got in, and you're like, no, 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 not my weird. That's weird, weird. I ain't. Y'all need prayer. Mm, I'm going to pray for y'all. Bless your heart. Um, here's what we're going to do. Uh, usually in these kinds of things, we kill the leaders, and they overextend themselves. They run their families into the ground trying to serve and do a good thing because we never give them a respite or an opportunity to take a breath. So we are going to do groups and classes seasonally. These are the last two things, groups and classes. And we're going to rotate them. So we're going to run a 14-week group season. Why? For a couple of reasons. One, we don't want the group leader to die, the group host to die. Two, we want you to have an out once you get in. We know that there's going to be sometimes you sign up for one and you're like, that was fun, but I ain't going back there again. And we don't want you on the sideline, not in community for 18 months because you feel like there's like a purgatory if you don't match. So we, we relaunch groups in the fall so that when we come to the fall launch, you can just be like, and, and you can sign up for another one. And they may not even know, and that's okay. You can be pa as passive-aggressive about it as you want to be as long as you keep getting into a group. So it runs for 14 weeks. We're going to do three things within our groups, three things, and it's going to scare the men in the room, and you need to get over and, like, put your boots on and big boy pants and get into one. Three things we're going to do in them. Number one, why are groups different here at Four Points? We do three things. Number one, we want another. So the beginning series of next year is the One Another Initiative. We're going to be talking about practicing the 59 One Anothers that are mentioned by the Apostle Paul over 100 times in the New Testament because apparently they didn't get along back then either. It's tough. Unity is a fight. You can fight against unity. You can fight for unity. We want to fight for it, and the One Anothers are key. So every small group will begin with five to ten minutes discussing how do we apply this one another here? How do we do what this text is saying right here in this community? James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So one week you'll sit down and you'll go, how do we do that here? Are you tracking with me? So you'll start there. Then we'll have about a ten-minute Bible study 
No, you're not going to get someone who's a janitor that was called to be a minister that never got to preach, and this is their opportunity to preach, and they want to go through Revelations for the next 77 weeks with you, and you're going to sit there for an hour and a half listening to them talk uh, about their cat and its relation to the seven lampstands in the Bible. That's not going to happen. Like, that's not what we're doing. This is not a space where you have that. We have some of the best Bible teachers in the world through a, a resource called Right Now Media, and they've, they brought it down to where it's conversational. Eight to ten minute clips around a book of the Bible or a topic of the Bible, and then discussion amongst the community so that you can figure out not just how to theorize your faith, but how to practice your faith. Because I ain't into theories around here, we're into practice. We tracking? So we're going to do that, and then we're going to close. This is where the men get uncomfortable. We're going to close by, if you're in a gender blended group, men getting with men, women getting with women, and you are going to confess your sins and pray for each other because that's what it says in James 5, and maybe we should try it. So they're like, I think you, are you going Catholic? No, we're going biblical. That's the whole idea. We confess our sins to one another. Confession's a normal part of the Christian life. Americans made it abnormal. It's an Easter and Christmas only event. It's a once in a decade event. No, repentance is normal. You are jacked up. You're doing messed up stuff right now that if we were to put on this screen, you would run out of here. Let me encourage you. I am jacked up. I need Jesus and his grace, and his mercy. And I need accountability and community for me to live the Christian life. I don't do well when I don't have eyes on my life. I need people that love Jesus, love the church, and love me in that order. Why? Because I do stuff that contradicts Jesus and is not good for the church. And I need people that love Jesus and the church enough to come to me and say, that's jacked up, you need to repent. Does this make sense? It's not a shock that you're sinning. What's shocking is that you sit in your seat Sunday after Sunday hearing that the gospel is good news for the sinner and you're like, I'm just going to stay here. And you don't get prayer. And you don't bring it into the light. The scriptures say, when I was silent about my sin, your hand was heavy upon me day and night. I couldn't rest. But I confessed my sin to the Lord and then I was shamed and mocked and scarlet lettered. No, that's what the American church did, not, not what we've been called to do. What we've been called to do is we confess our sins. The grace of God is faithful and just to forgive us because the blood's already been spilled for what's been done and you've been delivered and called to be something different. Conviction is not condemnation. Let me make sure you get that. Conviction is an invitation. God inviting you that though you have sinned and your sin is scarlet, that God has a better way and a better plan for you and your bad behavior past and history has not disqualified you from that future in Jesus, which is good news for people like me and you and you good news so we're going to have groups and we're going to have classes classes will come in the middle of the year next year it'll be an opportunity for you to get content over community groups are our group season is community over content i don't care if you cover all the content on the video i care that you confess your sins you pray and you want another if you don't get to the bible study because it took all the time praise god the bible study is supplementary but in class season there's some content you need. Otherwise, you'll watch late-night Christian TV or Instagram stories and get jacked up quick. And you need to have good theology. We want you to practice good doctrine. And we want to teach that faithfully. And so our elders and our ministry leaders are working very hard on that class season to give you Christian life application and theological application classes that are essential for you to walk soundly in your relationship with Jesus. And then we're going to, you know what's going to happen in July at four points? Nothing. Because y'all aren't here anyway. So why... why? We're going to have church, like we're going to, we're going to have church on Sundays, but I, no, we're not doing a Sunday night Bible study. I'm not blowing up fireworks like 
I'm not going to give you an opportunity to retreat from your community. No, go to your community. Go on vacation. I'm going on vacation. I'm going to Charleston. It's going to be great. Um, looking forward to it. I got a link in my bedroom. I take down one every single day. Count on the days so I get to go to Charleston. That's how much I love it. It's going to be awesome. And then August is going to come, and we're going to have another group season, and we're going to launch right back into groups, and we'll run those all the way up until Thanksgiving and Christmas season next year. I've got a Christmas series that I feel like God wants me to teach on family dysfunction in the holidays. The working title is Polar Express Trainwreck. It's going to be a lot of fun. So you're like, we need that now. Can we have that series now? It's going to be so much fun. I, I believe, I believe that God has incredible things for us in our future. And I don't believe that's in the absence of you just sitting or attending. I believe it comes through you engaging in community. And so the question I want you to ask is, God, are these my people? Is this the place where you would have us pour our life as a family out for this next season, this next year, this next whatever you would have us do so that we, in doing so, could be an encouragement, could be a space maker for people to find their few so that we perhaps could find the people that you've providentially put in our life that would challenge and spur and love and encourage and build us up into the next season of growth as followers of Jesus ourselves. And if that's it, then I want to invite you to generously and overwhelmingly love well. Jump in with two feet. Jump in and then have that moment. Allow yourself the moment where you've jumped in and you go, holy cow, we're in further than we thought we were going to go. Like, like I didn't know we were going to go this fast. Like, do it with conviction. Or... If not, if not, then praise God that there's other local churches where you can find your group and you can find your few and you can one another and you can confess your sin and you can be known and you can be built up in Christ Jesus and you can grow. But wherever it is that God would have you, Christian, find that spot. Link shoulder to shoulder and shield to shield and let somewhere next year serve Jesus together because he's coming back. And when he does, when he does, may you, may we, be found faithful. I just want to give you an opportunity to sit and think about this. I really want you to ask the question, God, are we home or not? Is this where we need to be or not? As we sing this song. And we want to ask God to bless this upcoming year that we're going to go into. Our elders are going to come back and give us some practical info right at the end of the service. So we're going to stand, respond, sing, and then we'll give you just a little bit more info and have you out in plenty of time to beat the crowd for lunch. In Jesus' name. Amen. You move us the Lord leads.
Father, that's our prayer, that you would bless the work that is ahead. The blessing of getting to work and know that your spirit is in it, that you are leading us through it. And God, we ask that you would make us an uncommon family, that you would do something that would be inexplainable, that apart from your presence, this community could not be defined with any other moniker. And we pray, God, that because of your spirit, we would be called Christian, we would be called your church, and we would serve you faithfully in everything we say and do in this coming year. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys take a seat. I want to introduce you to a couple people you may not have met. Uh, this is Pastor Austin. Most of you have seen him, know him. He's hanging out. He is one of our elders. He hides in the shadows in every service. Uh, this is uh, Daniel Pearson. He is one of our elders here at our church. Yeah. <clears throat> Humbled by he and Jen and their partnership with us. This is Zach Johnson, another one of our elders here at the church. This is Davin Acker. I got it wrong in first service on this last name. I said his last name wrong, and he is one of our faithful elders here. We want you to know who these guys are because when I talk about rolling out vision and praying, it starts here. Uh, we start praying. We start fasting. We lead in repentance. It's our job to set a spiritual tempo and pace for our church, and that is a great burden and a great joy that we get to do for uh, Four Points Church. And there's a few updates on the kind of the business side of things that I just wanted them to give you briefly. And so you're going to hear from Zach uh, from a property update, and then you're going to hear from Davin when it comes to some uh, application of what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing in the next few days. Because we want you to know, one, what's going on in the church because you help us move forward in that. And two, we want you to know who these guys are because we want you to come to them when you're in a time of need or when things are going on. Or if you just want to know more about the church, ask them. And if they get it wrong, then we got bigger problems. All right, go ahead. Thanks, Russ. Um, so as Russ mentioned, I'm Zach. Um, I've been here since the beginning of Four Points and uh, have gotten to have the privilege and honor to serve you guys for 10 years, um, all of us. And we, we first just want you to know that we, we love you. We're thankful that you're here mm-hmm. and very grateful for everything that you guys do to, that make this place a church. Um, <clears throat> four years ago, uh, we were presented with the opportunity to purchase the land down the street. Um, it was about 14 acres. And uh, during that time, we, we prayed through that and thought through that and looked at everything. and decided that was a move that we thought we were supposed to make. Um, and then through your, your guys' generosity and sacrifices, we started something called the Promise Campaign that allowed us to purchase that land. Um, and when we bought that land, we didn't know for sure if we were going to build down there, if it was an investment, what what the real goal was. We just knew that that was the move we were supposed to make. Um, And then through that, through the last four years uh, that many of you guys know have been um, up and down for sure. Um, And, you know, we didn't, looking back four years ago, we we had no no clue where we would be. Um, And so during that time, we've uh, met with bankers and architects and contractors and looked at what it looks like to build a building down there. And uh, through all those meetings and through just uh, hours of prayer and just looking at all the options, we've really felt like for the last year or so that we were not supposed to build a new building. We are supposed to go try to find a, a building around here or purchase this building, do something different, uh, not build something from the ground up, uh, just construction cost, uh, trying to get bank loans for that amount of money, those different things. It was just going to put us too far out. Um, Especially, uh, you know, now with Pastor Russ here, and we're, uh, we're gaining some momentum. And we're very thankful that he's here. Thanks. And, uh, be here. 
So we, we, we feel that there's going to be a need soon for, for more space, and how do we get to that space uh, quickly? Um, so, and so thinking through that, um, in this past spring, we were approached by a company to purchase uh, the land, and they brought us a fairly attractive offer, and through some negotiations and stuff, we, we settled on a, a number amount with them that we were very pleased with. Um, and so that closing on that land should be happening in about the next six weeks. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so through that, we've been able to basically double our money of what we invested yeah. into that. Wow. And so that is going to really speed up our timeline and set us up for whatever the next step is. And so that's what we are currently doing is praying through, seeking wise counsel, looking at all the options of do we purchase this building and expand? Do we buy something else that's around 101 that we haven't, haven't seen? Uh, there's not a lot of buildings right around here. But, um, so we're, we're just praying through that and looking at that. And all that has happened just because of your guys' sacrifice yeah. and just... You, you just continue to pour in over the last four years. Uh, I've, you know, as I said, we've been through a lot, but we've never, we've never skipped a beat on the finances. We really yeah. haven't, and we've been blessed with you guys. Yeah. So through all that, it reminds me of Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Um, Jesus is telling the parable of the talents. And to one he gave one talent, to one he gave two, to one he gave five. Um, and as he's telling the parable, the one he gave one to was, was very selfish and just basically hid his talent. Um, <clears throat> the other two invested. Um, so when, when the master came back, uh, the one with one talent um, said, you know, master, I buried it. Here's your money back. I was afraid of you. The, the other two invested, and, and they were wise with what they did. And that's what we're trying to do with, with what God's given us here. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, but the one that he gave five to... Um, you know, he doubled it. And, and basically God said, well done. Not only so, so much well done, but I'm going to give you this talent as well um, to keep going. And that's who we want to be, mm. right? That's who Four Points wants to be, is we yeah. want to take God's money that you give, and we want to use it for his kingdom. We, we want to hear well done, yeah. right? Um, because it's God's money, and if we're faithful with it, he's going to continue to bless. Mm. Um, and so with that, in, in Malachi 3.10 um, is the only time I can find God says to test him. Mm. And what he says is bring your tithe to the storehouse. Yeah. And so when he says when you do that and you're faithful with that, he will literally open the windows of heaven and he will pour his blessings on you. Mm. And I don't know about you guys, I'll take some of God's blessings, right? And so I want to be found faithful in that. Yeah. And so we're actually going to do a Christmas offering that we're going to take up Christmas Eve Eve on our Christmas Eve service, and we're going to call it Declare Your King. Mm. Um, and, you know, for me, I want my king to be the king of kings. I want my king to be the Lord of lords. That's who we want for this house is to worship the God who gave his son for us, right, who, who gave us the hope. Yeah. And so we're going to do that on Christmas Eve Eve. And so our challenge to you guys is to pray and ask God sacrificially, what is it that he would have you give, mm. right? The dollar amount doesn't matter. It matters are you being obedient yeah. to what That's God's right. telling you to give. Um, so I'm going to pray right now for us, and I'm going to pray for that offering. God, thank you for loving us. Um, thank you 
for loving us so much that you sent your son as the ultimate price for us, that you loved us enough that Jesus came to earth. He came, he lived a perfect life. He gave us hope that we can do this thing called life. And that he lived a, a perfect life and yet gave his, his life for us, knowing our sinful nature. And God, I pray that we would understand that, that what the cross represents is, is a love and a sacrifice that can never be repaid. And God, I pray that we'll be found faithful to live in a way that we're grateful for that sacrifice, that not only did he, did he die, but he rose again to conquer death to give us hope. And God, I pray that we would seek your face to be obedient, that we, would, that we would seek what you would have us to give sacrificially to the declare your king so that we can be found faithful, so that we can invest into your kingdom and you will be able to double it and we will see the fruits of people coming to know you and people giving their lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, just to kind of close up, we would just want to tell you, if you're a guest with us today, thank you for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We appreciate you. Um, I know today is probably a little different format than most church services uh, that that you go to for the first time. So thank you for for coming through that. The good news is uh, if you are new, um, you just found out a lot about what we truly are about. So you, you've got a little bit of a head start there. But uh, come back next week and the week after. Come check us out. Um, just a few different announcements. Um, next week, we are starting what we call our first steps class, uh, kind of kicking that back off. What that class is about is if you are a new, new to us or if you've been here for a while and still have some questions, it's almost like a who is four points class. So come find out what we are really about. You're going to hear some more details on that. We'll start that class next week uh, during the second service in the classroom. Uh, Something else I want to tell you about, uh, baptism. Sunday the 19th, we will have another baptism. Uh, We have spots in both services, so if that's something that you need to do, if that's your next step, uh, please check in in the lobby. Uh, We can get you signed in out there. Uh, One other thing that I want you guys to get excited about and start telling people about, December 18th, Pictures with Santa. Santa will be here. Uh, probably be some elves running around too. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but uh, we, we want you to know, you know, we do a lot of things. Like Pastor Russ said, uh, we're geared toward outreaching, reaching our community. Um, don't view this as just something to bring in and, and have fun with. Yes, that's part of it. But it's also an outreach opportunity for you to invite those friends and family that may not be comfortable coming in on a Sunday morning. Uh, they can come in on a Saturday, meet some people. Uh, their kids have a great time. We can introduce them to what we kind of do. And then maybe it's not such a big step to take that next step and come in on a Sunday morning yeah. and see those same yeah. faces again. So use that as an outreach. That's, that's the whole reason we do what we do. Yeah. Um, and the reason that we're able to do all of that, and as, as Zach said too, uh, it's because of your guys' generosity. You know, the things like the Thanksgiving dinners, uh, this Pictures with Santa, everything that we've been able to do through the last two years where a lot of churches have had to change everything that they do because the giving dropped so much and they were in such financial hardship. You guys have been faithful through that. Amen. So just thank you to that. Give yeah. yourselves a pat on the back. Yeah. Um, you guys have done that. Yeah. So uh, with that, don't forget today as you go out, uh, we have several different ways to give. You can give online. You can text to give. Uh, we got the kiosk in the back and, and the boxes. Pick up some envelopes. I think we've got the Christmas offering uh, envelopes yeah. out. Uh, so pick one of those up. Start praying through that. But uh, thanks for being here. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you, guys. Have a good week.